I'm Scott Weinberger, journalist and former deputy sheriff. In my new podcast series called Blooded, I'm embedded in the cold case investigation into the death of firefighter Billy Halpern. Experience this investigation in a truly unique way, untangling secrets that may reveal the answers to not only one case, but almost a dozen. Listen to Cold-Blooded, The Apollo Jim Murders on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Imagine you're a fly on the wall at a dinner between the mafia, the CIA, and the KGB. That's where my new podcast begins. This is Neil Strauss, host of To Live and Die in L.A., and I wanted to quickly tell you about an intense new series about a dangerous spy taught to seduce men for their secrets and sometimes their lives. From Tenderfoot TV, this is To Die For. To Die For is available now. Listen for free on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. It's like the police knew who he was before they got here. From iHeart Podcasts, the medical school dean at USC was leading a secret double life. He's breathing right now? Yes, he's absolutely breathing. I'm a doctor, actually. A story about money, power, and corruption. When people fall in line, they fall in line. Looking back, I realized, oh, everyone knew. I'm Paul Pringle, an investigative reporter for the LA Times. Listen to Fallen Angels, a story of California corruption, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. Now here's a highlight from Coast to Coast AM on iHeartRadio. And welcome back to Coast to Coast. George Nori with you, master psychic, author, speaker, Barbara Jean Lindsay, experienced an NDE in 1989 that awakened her psychic ability. She teaches people on how to access their own innate psychic ability in order to help navigate the earth plane and make correct decisions. A couple of her books include Dying for the Light, Ambassador for the Light, and her website is linked up at coasttocoastam.com. Barbara, welcome to the program. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for having me, George. We're looking forward to this. We're going to have fun for the next couple hours, and you're going to do some readings next hour, I hear, right? Yeah, I'm excited about doing that. Super. My my favorite thing to do. Excellent. Excellent. Tell us a little bit about you before the near-death experience, which I want to get into in a big way. Okay. Well, I was like your normal average uh, American girl, homecoming queen, had the 2.5 kids, and uh, lived in Sacramento, California. I had an art gallery and uh, real active in the local community. And uh, looking for something, though, a little bit more. It wasn't enough. I had everything, had all the stuff, had all the vacations, the cars, the house. But I just was looking for something more. There had to be something more than that. And I just started exploring um, psychic phenomena. I met a girl who uh, had this ability, and uh, she gave me a, a free psychic reading, and it just changed my life, and I started to learn about it. So I was going to school and learning about it uh, when I had the NDE. Uh, I wanted to know everything about uh, spiritual everything by five o'clock, though, and so I kind of got that when I had the the NDE and uh, went into a coma and had a whole different experience there. Yeah, what happened? Nineteen eighty nine. Tell us about it. Okay. Well, it was kind of a wild day when I got up, got the kids ready for school. I was feeling a little bit weird. I went to the psychic school. They said my energy was way off the scale, and they kicked me out of the school. 
<laughs> they so kicked you out? They didn't help me, and I thought if anyone could help me, they could, because I figured they had seen everything at that point. But they, at a school, you want to keep it neutral energy, and my energy was out of control, and, and it was um, playing with the energies at the school, so they asked me to leave. And so that kind of scared me even more, because I felt like there was something going on. I was a little bit out of time, out of sync, and I wasn't sure what it was. And so that night I went to a women's healing um, center to see if they could do some hands-on healing to help me um, because I just knew that I just needed some extra kind of help because I had never been in this state before. And so I walked into the women's uh, healing center in the, the middle of winter in December 4th, and uh, as I started to walk into the building, a lady came and said, hey, she was told that someone would need an inhaler, and she thought it was me, and so she handed it to me, and I walked into the building, and I uh, couldn't breathe, and I felt like 10,000 knives going into my chest, and the pain was so excruciating that I popped out of my body. And when I popped out of my body, my body slumped to the floor, and I don't have memory of it, but they put me back up in the chair, and um, I full-body channeled a being from Egypt in a male voice that said, um, um, I'm here to... Uh, kill Barbara because she has information that can't be given at this time. And it scared everybody. And then it, the being actually collapsed my lungs and I flatlined and was taken uh, to the emergency care. There just happened to be a, a cardio specialist there that evening who uh, saw me come in and, and uh, helped save my life. Um, and, yeah, it was pretty pretty wild, and uh, my uh, oxygen levels were just at the brink of death, and I had was given uh, last rites, and um, my family were told that I, if I did come back, I would never be the same, and they didn't know how bad it would be, and uh, to prepare for the worst. And uh, so while my body is going through all these changes and fighting for its life uh, with Western medicine and prayer from, from the, the people that were in the school at the time, um, I popped out of the body and went uh, to a beautiful, uh, beautiful place where there was absolutely no pain at all, and I had no recollection of my body at all. And I was fully present uh, in this undulating, warm vastness of water and love. And uh, in this loving, beautiful, uh, immaculate uh, waters and all this love there, it, I had never experienced love that much in my whole life. And I'm kind of a loving, a nurturing, happy kind of person anyway. Uh, but in this love, I, it was beyond my uh, idea of what love was. And I was a mom with three kids, you know, and really love people, love life, positive person. But this was beyond the love that I've never had experienced before ever. And as I'm in this un 
undulating love, beautiful space, um, I look down and I notice I don't have a body. And when I mm. looked down and, and saw I didn't have a body, but yet I still existed, I, it just blew my mind and my consciousness expanded. So it's been 34 years since that near-death experience. Have you had yeah. any medical issues since then like that? Uh, I, I haven't had any other NDEs at all. Uh, I still have asthma, and I thought that wasn't fair. <laughs> Because you go through something like that and you come back and and um, uh, I still have asthma, but it, it's still controlled. Um, but I haven't had uh, any kind of uh, no lasting permanent damage at all, a total miracle, according to my hospital records. Were you puzzled by the experience when you came back? Were you curious? What did you do? I Well, what happened is, when I came back, I was different. I was different in a lot of ways, uh, mainly that I could, I, all my psychic abilities turned on, like 100%. So someone would come into the hospital room, right, and I could read them. I could see their pain or their suffering or where they were happy or where their joy was, and that was new to me, and it was out of control. I didn't know how to control it at all. It was just this new part of me, this new expanded um, aspect of myself that I never knew was there before, and um, the MDE had turned that on for me. Did you have any assistance from the other side? Any helpers? I did, and I did learn that I was never alone. When I went through to the other side, I was never alone. I met a guardian there, and he telepathed to me. And all this was new to me, George, okay? I, I didn't know any of this. I was just minding my own business, having a pretty good life. And this just totally came in from nowhere and changed everything. And so when I was on the other side, uh, there was a large being with a... Uh, uh, about eight foot tall with square shoulders, a big white hood, a beautiful sense of presence, a male presence. I never saw his face, but he said I could call him the guardian, and so I did. And so his job, he said, was for me to communicate with some people that I would be introduced to. And so during my time, I was in a coma for about three days, and wow. during that time, I have full memory of it, like it was yesterday, and I, they took me to different places, and I had different experiences, and then when it was time for me to come back, um, I didn't want to come back. I was having such an amazing time, and, and the, the, I was so fully present there, not like a dream, it's not like a movie, it's not like a, it, it's, I was a hundred percent present having that experience and it was really beautiful and when it was time for me to go i just didn't want to i didn't want to and then did, they reminded did, did me did you they, think of your kids and stuff like that though that's what they said that's what brought me back they said but barbara you have three kids and i said oh my gosh that's right i do and i go yes i want to go back right now and so then the next thing I saw my body uh, laying down in a bed in the hospital with my friend 
next to it, and I said, who is that? I didn't even recognize my body. But when I looked at it, and I did finally recognize it, I just went, oh, my gosh, that's me down there. And I said, oh, she's a little bit pudgy, but not too bad. (laughs) I did. And so then I was ready to go back in the body, and that's when the guardian said, uh, before you do, we would we would uh, like to give you a gift, and so they gave me the gift of white light, and um, and I was kind of upset about it. I threw a little fit like a ten year old, and I said, "Well, after going through everything I went through, that's all you're going to give me is white light." Everybody knows about white light, and they thought that was really funny, and so then they uh, I started to go back down into the body, and they go, "Wait just a moment," and then. They kind of pulled me back up again, and the guardian said to me, we would like to make you ambassador, an ambassador. And I said, okay, I'll be an ambassador. At the time, I owned an art gallery, so I said, well, maybe I'm an ambassador of, of art. And then I'm thinking as I'm going down into my body, well, maybe I'm an ambassador of love. Maybe I'm an ambassador of beauty. (laughs) And I'm thinking that, and as I go down into my body, I, I really go into every aspect of my body with the white light, every little morsel of me until I'm totally filled up. And then uh, the next thing I remember is sitting up in the hospital room with the, all the stuff in my mouth, and I pull it out, and I said, I'm starving. I want nachos. You want nachos? what I said, and and um, I was starving, and it was like I had felt like I had just gotten up from a nap instead of in a coma and fighting for my life. We started talking about this incident. Drugs and uh, officials cover up. <laughs> you couldn't believe it. From iHeart Podcasts. It's like the police knew who he was before they got here. A story about money, power, and corruption. The medical school dean at USC was leading a secret double life. He's breathing right now? Yes, he's absolutely breathing. I'm a doctor, actually. There's no way that that guy's a doctor. I'm Paul Pringle, and I'm an investigative reporter for the LA Times. This is the story of an investigation that starts in a hotel room in Pasadena, California, and reaches all the way to the top of two of the most powerful institutions in the city of Los Angeles. When people fall in line, they fall in line. Looking back, I realized, oh, everyone knew. This is Fallen Angels, the story of California corruption. We're always going to have predators. It's the good people who stand by and do nothing that allow them to flourish. Listen to Fallen Angels, a story of California corruption, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey guys, I'm home. Everyone knows that it's dad's job to be a bit of a joker. Sorry I'm late everyone. There was an accident at the factory. Monty fell into the upholstery machine. Don't worry though, he's fully recovered. (sighs) Good one dad. (sighs) Did you get the pizza for dinner? So he likes to keep everyone happy with some dad jokes. Yep, right here. I had a coupon and it saved me a lot of dough. Well, the truth is, Dad is just a fun guy. Hey, I'm not a mushroom. Please stop. Where does he get these stupid jokes from? He listens to the Daily Dad Jokes podcast. Oh, great. More dad jokes for me. 
We've delivered over 15,000 jokes to over 3 million listeners, and man, the postage fees are killing us. Listen to the Daily Dad Jokes podcast every day on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Are you ready to fight back against crime? Hi guys, Nancy Grace here, host of podcast Crime Stories with Nancy Grace. I've dedicated my life to fighting crime and helping crime victims. For a decade, I prosecuted violent felonies, personally investigating, prosecuting, and covering literally thousands of cases. It's so easy to think it will never happen to me or my family, but that is simply not true. Every day on Crime Stories with Nancy Grace, we shine a light on unsolved homicides, heat up cold cases, and help find missing people, especially children. We speak with family members, investigators, CSI, reporters, and experts in every field. Every day is a mission. Every day is a chance to stop crime and keep one more person safe. Listen to Crime Stories with Nancy Grace on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. So, now, now, the psychic abilities, when did they really start kicking in? Right right from that moment. You could tell? And how did yeah. you know you had them? What did you, what did you start doing? Well, I just, when people would come in, like my friend, um, you know, her, Cindy, when she came and talked to me, I knew something was going on with her and she wasn't hiding it. And I said, there's something going on. And she said, you're right, I didn't want to bother you because you're going through so much. And then the nurse would come in and and she would fluff up my pillow and she would tell me everything's going to be okay. But I could tell, you know, something's going on with her. And, and so then within about a couple of days, I'd say about three days, my hospital room became the place where everybody came. It became kind of a social hangout, all the interns would come and even the doctors would come and and they would hang out in my room and um and i would give them readings i would talk to them and and help them and i think at that point i was still more of coming from the other side than here do you know what i mean because when you go to the other side it's very high vibration and and uh, the all the love and the beauty that's there and then when you bring that back it's pretty dense here (laughs) and i know that going into my body my body felt really dense because as a being i felt a very light a lightness of being would you recommend that everybody get a near-death experience or would you shy away from that again (laughs) i think i would shy away from it in a way i'm hoping that all of us there's been so many that have had them so that we can tell our stories so you don't have to go through it. The physical part of it was so excruciating. And I had had three children, right? Three natural children sure. being born. And so, but to go through what I went through with the collapsing of my lungs, I, I wouldn't wish that on anybody ever, you know. But I think uh, for us that have had this experience, I think we have to tell our story as part of our own healing and our own journey, but hopefully it helps other people as well so uh, they can learn from it. Your kids are in their late 30s, 40s right now. What do they think of this experience? Um, They're glad it's done. (laughs) At the time, they just wanted, uh, they were teenagers, you know, and some like my son's 50-something now, but at the time they just kind of wanted a, a normal mom. 
and I tried to be normal. I really did, but I didn't quite fit in because we would go to like the, at that time we would go to 7-Eleven and get a Slurpee and my son would have a skateboard and, and the guy at the counter would, would look at me and he goes, and he would start to cry. And so, and that happened a lot. Why? Uh, the first year, I think just, just seeing me, they would just cry. They would feel it. And I, it was out of control. Did they, did okay. they know you? No, not at all. Wow, <laughs> not at all. It just, those, and I, it happens with other indie ears too. I don't think I'm the only one, but it's where people feel, feel you. You know, they feel your heart. They feel your presence and, and they just start telling you stuff. And so then you just, you know, you listen. Sometimes people just need to be listened to, right? And that helps them a lot. And so, um, so, so, so my kids would want a, a normal mom. But now that they're older and they've been through this whole process with me, they're, they're okay with it. And they, they get who I am and they're actually proud of who I am. And so, but I think I had to learn to be proud of myself first, right? You go through a traumatic experience and at the first I just wanted it to go away and then I wanted to turn it down and then I wanted to try and blend. And so I tried all these ways of trying to not have it. <laughs> describe, <laughs> describe, Barbara, what the other side is like. Okay. Well, when you're there on this other side, the, the colors are beautiful. It's like technicolor and there's different plants. I saw different plants, uh, different, uh, different places that I had never seen. They're, they're like, um, uh, they're very crystal clear, uh, and very, very, uh, there. And, but when you walk, walk through it and into it, it's almost like it's being created for you in that moment. I don't know if that makes sense, but that's kind of what it felt like. And I met um, different uh, guardians, and I met a council. Um, I was taken across these forest for miles of just forest, uh, seeing the forest without buildings. Were you in heaven? I, I felt like I was in heaven. I really did. Um, and I was raised uh, Southern Baptist on my mom's side. Jehovah Witness on my dad's side. Oh, really? Was, okay. And Lutheran, and then married to a Catholic at the time. I had been a Catholic for thirteen years, um, but I, but my, I was also curious, and my mind was open to to different things too. I was exploring, you know, seeking. Uh, but when I was on the other side, I can tell you, it is so extraordinary and beautiful. And for me, I had the most loving, kind, gentle uh, beings that I met, and they taught me lessons. The first lesson I was taught was they showed me uh, um, in a port portal, like a portal, um, an image and a hologram of our Mother Earth. And at the time, I was an organic gardener, and I thought I had a relationship with the Earth, but I had no idea. And so they brought in the Earth, and um, I could see that the earth actually had a heartbeat. And later I worked with a Native American uh, First Nation chief. And so at that time, it was like the beat of the Native drum. And it was this beat where with the earth 
and with my heart became one. Listen to more Coast to Coast AM every weeknight at 1 a.m. Eastern and go to coasttocoastam.com for more. I'm Scott Weinberger, journalist and former deputy sheriff. In my new podcast series, Cold-Blooded, I'm embedded in the cold case investigation into the death of firefighter Billy Halpern. Experience this investigation in a truly unique way, untangling secrets that may reveal the answers to not only one case, but almost a dozen. Listen to Cold-Blooded, The Apollo Jim Murders on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Imagine you're a fly on the wall at a dinner between the mafia, the CIA, and the KGB. That's where my new podcast begins. This is Neil Strauss, host of To Live and Die in L.A., and I wanted to quickly tell you about an intense new series about a dangerous spy taught to seduce men for their secrets and sometimes their lives. From Tenderfoot TV, this is To Die For. To Die For is available now. Listen for free on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. It's like the police knew who he was before they got here. From iHeart Podcasts. The medical school dean at USC was leading a secret double life. Is he breathing right now? Yes, he's absolutely breathing. I'm a doctor, actually. A story about money, power, and corruption. When people fall in line, they fall in line. Looking back, I realized, oh, everyone knew. I'm Paul Pringle, an investigative reporter for the LA Times. Listen to Fallen Angels, a story of California corruption, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts.